Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. to try to answer some objections tonight through the word of God. If we're in John chapter number eight, first thing I'd like us to get a hold of, verse number 12, then spake Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, thou bearest record of thyself, but thy record is not true. Just like a typical Pharisee. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came and whither I go, but you cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. You judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself and the Father that sent me bear witness of me. And you know, it kind of doesn't matter the answer that Jesus gives to the Pharisees because they're just going to be Pharisees. They think that they're kind of on some, we're, we're kind of on level playing ground and they're just not. Verse number 19, then said they unto him, where is thy father? See, they, they always want to question Jesus. So he answers, ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, you should have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught the temple, and no man laid hands, hands on him. Why? Well, for his hour was not yet come. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye, see, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he saith, whither I go, ye cannot come. And he said unto them, you are from beneath, I am from above, you are of this world, I am not of this world. And said therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins, if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. I don't know how many more, <laughs> how much more clear the Lord can put it to them. You guys are dead. <laughs> and that's, we can't put it any more clear of this lost and dying world without the Lord Jesus Christ. They're dead in their sins. But the separation between us and God is huge. The difference between us and the Lord Jesus Christ is so enormous that we can't exhaust the thought. And we can get that, right? It's the same with our origin. How we originated and how we were birthed and how the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world, it's so ginormous that you can't exhaust it. And people try to deny the account of the virgin birth. It's just an attempt for them to do what the Pharisees are doing in John chapter 8, which is try to act like they're kind of getting a little closer to Jesus and they can kind of trap them. And we can't, and neither can they. The Lord Jesus Christ, he's so far above. He's so far above that we just ought to magnify his name as much as we can. Now, there's two accounts. In the Matthew account, we have the genealogy of Joseph as his earthly father, as his stepfather. 
and it's according to the law. That's the Matthew account. The genealogy in Luke is the genealogy of Mary as the earthly mother of Jesus who gave birth to him. It's the human genealogy of Christ. And therefore, Luke's gospel shows the humanity of Jesus. Matthew, we know, that was written for or was written to the Jews. It has a Jewish connotation, and it shows in Matthew that Jesus Christ, as the king of the Jews, says, where is he that is born king of the Jews, right in the second chapter. In Matthew, we see Joseph mentioned more than Mary. In, in chapter 1, verse 20, it says, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph. In Matthew, Jesus appears as the Messiah. We see him as the king of the Jews, and he appears as the Messiah. And the genealogy runs from Abraham to Joseph. And all the predictions and promises concerning the Messiah are fulfilled in him. In the book of Luke, we see Jesus as the son of man. 100% man, at the same time, he's 100% God. That's why in Luke we see that he hungered. That's why we see in Luke he agonied in prayer. And we see Mary at the forefront in the book of Luke. Obviously, he appears in Luke as the son of man, and he has come to redeem mankind. And he's come to save all conditions of men. And this is why the genealogy from Adam, and then it heads the entire human race. And then we see this relationship between the first Adam and the second Adam. So that's a quick overview of the difference between the genealogies in Matthew and in Luke. I'll get Isaiah chapter number seven, because there were two requirements in the Old Testament to be king. Isaiah chapter number seven. There were two requirements to become king in the Old Testament. And both of these developed after Solomon died. Because after Solomon died, what happened was the kingdom was divided after he died. The kingdom was divided because they forsook God <laughs> and they didn't want to walk in God's ways. They abandoned God, and so it was divided. And in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 7, I'd like you to be at. This first requirement, we said there's two. We're going to go through both of them. It had to do with the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom was Judah. Its capital was Jerusalem. And no one can sit on David's throne. Unless he was of the house of David, and he must be a descendant of David. And there's always, there's been a conspiracy to get rid of the house of David. And God warns about this, and we see it in Isaiah chapter number seven. Look at verse number five, because Syria, Isaiah seven. Verse 5, Ephraim, 
and the son of Remaliah have taken evil counsel against thee, saying, Let us go up against Judah. That's the southern kingdom. That's Jerusalem as its capital. That's Judah. And vex it. And let us make a breach therein for us. And set a king in the midst of it. Even the son of Tabiel. You see, they want to make a breach and they want to set a king in the midst of it. And God warns. There's going to be. <laughs> there's going to be a conspiracy against the house of David. And these genealogies play an important role in the fulfillment of the prophecy that Jesus came to fulfill. <clears throat> and so, okay, so we'll get back to that. But the second requirement, get Matthew chapter one. First requirement, they must be a descendant of the house of David. Must be. Second requirement, get Matthew chapter 1 and Jeremiah chapter 22. Matthew 1. And then Jeremiah 22. The second requirement has to do with the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom was Israel. Its capital was Samaria. The second requirement was by divine appointment and it had to meet a prophetic requirement in matthew chapter number one well in matthew 10 and matthew and in, and, and in matthew chapter 15 it says jesus came to save the lost sheep of the house of israel right we have this jewish reflection again but look in the beginning of the chapter, uh, look here at uh, verse number three. And Judas begat Pharis and Zarah of Thamar. Well, uh, well, let, let's go through two more and then we'll, we'll make the comment. Look at verse uh, number number five. And Salmon begat Boaz of of Rahab and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth and Obed begat Jesse. Look at verse number six. And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. Of Uriah. Who was that? It was Bathsheba. You have got non Jewish women listed in this genealogy. Because, yes, chapter 10 and chapter 15 talk about the lost house of Israel. But Jesus came to save all, even these non-Jewish women who are sinners, just like you and I are sinners. Incest, prostitution, adultery. Come on. Jesus came to save from sin. And whosoever would call upon him, no matter the sin, he would save them. Look at verse number two in the Matthew genealogy. It starts with, well, one, it traces the line of Joseph. And verse number two, look at it. It starts with Abraham. 
Matthew's genealogy, it does break with tradition and it does skip names, but it starts with Abraham. Verse number six, look at this. We get to David and Jesse begat David, the king. Um, and David, the king, begat Solomon. Of her that had been the wife of Urias. And Solomon begat, and it goes on. And look when it gets down to verse number 11. And Josias begat Jeconias and his brethren about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconias begat Salithiel, and Salithiel begat Zerubbabel. Now, Joseph was a direct descendant of David, right? Through Solomon, that's who he was through, through Solomon, but he was also through Jeconiah. You say, Brother Jimmy, why, why are you pointing that out? Because we have a problem. Jeremiah chapter 2 is going to reveal that problem. And when we see the problem, it will answer the questions that the critics have concerning the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So let's go to Jeremiah chapter number 22 and let's see what the problem is. Jeremiah chapter number 22. And all of this has to do with why people want to get rid of the idea of a virgin born savior. Look at Jeremiah chapter number 22. And let's look at verse 24. As I live, saith the Lord, though Coniah, that's Jeconiah, this another way of saying his name, Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet upon my right hand, yet would I pluck thee hence. And I will give thee into the hand of them that seek thy life, and into the hand of them whose face thou fearest even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of the Chaldeans. And I will cast thee out, and thy mother that bare thee, into another country, where you were not born, and there shall ye die. But to the land whereunto they desire to return, thither shall they not return. Is this man, Coniah, a despised, broken idol? Is he a vessel wherein is no pleasure? Wherefore are they cast out, he and his seed, and are cast into a land which they knew not? O earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord, write ye this man childless, a man that shall not prosper in his days. Now here it is, for no man of his seed shall prosper, sitting upon the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. Did the Messiah have to come through the David's line? It did. But there's a problem. The Lord put a curse on Jeconiah and Jeconiah's lines. You know who that line runs through? Joseph. People say, well, he can't be the Messiah because he's from the line of Jeconiah. If you've not heard that, well, you're hearing it now. But he's not the yeah. The Messiah has to be of the house of David. But the Messiah has to be 
separate from the curse of Jeconiah. Matthew's genealogy shows that Joseph was a blood relative to Jeconiah. That's his lineage. This means Joseph would not be qualified to sit on David's throne. And anyone that came from Joseph's seed would be under the curse of Jeconiah and would not be able to sit on the throne of David. And if Jesus was the flesh and blood of Joseph, he couldn't claim throne rights. But he's not the flesh and blood of Joseph, is he? And that's how the Bible is so specific that you would miss it if you blinked. What's the point of Matthew's genealogy? Is it to show why Jesus could not be king? No. It's to show why he should be king. It's not to show the royal line. That's not the purpose of Matthew's genealogy. The royal bloodline is shown through Mary, which is why we need, and the Bible declares, a virgin birth. Because the virgin birth is the solution to Jeconiah's curse. And that's why the virgin birth must be proclaimed and must be preached because it's so important. Matthew shows perfectly that if Jesus were Joseph's flesh, then he would not have throne rights and he could make no claim to it. But Jesus was not Joseph's son. He was born of a virgin. And because of that, no curse rested on that line. And it did not in any way affect Jesus's legal claim to the throne. Because we have a virgin born savior. Now let's go over to Luke chapter number three. Everybody get that whole Jeconiah curse thing? Boom. Okay, so we got that. Uh, let's go to Luke chapter number three. This genealogy, it follows a stricter Jewish custom. <clears throat> meaning no names are, are omitted, and also no women are mentioned. So if you draw a distinction between these two genealogies, mm -hmm. we just saw three non-Jewish women listed, but in Luke, it keeps with a tighter custom. Uh, well, let's, let's get... Uh, Let's get in there because I want to show you something here. In Luke, in, in, well, in Matthew 1, we see Jacob as Joseph's birth father. But in Luke chapter 3, look at verse number 23. Um, get Luke chapter 3, get the 23rd verse. You're going to use the name. Well, here it is. And Jesus, verse 23, himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, which was the son of Eli. Well, who's Eli? That's Joseph's father-in-law. And that's mentioned there. Matthew 1, Jacob is Joseph's birth father. 
Heli is Joseph's father-in-law. That's how you get around that Jewish, you, you name the, the, the man, not the woman. And as was supposed, people supposed Jesus to be who? They all supposed him to be the son of Joseph. But he really was the descendant of Heli. Well, who's Heli? That's Mary's father. <laughs> Mary's father. How did he become the son of Eli? He married Mary, right? He married Mary. And the absence of Mary's name here is, is in keeping with the custom, the genealogy custom. And that's all that is. All of these names, the true essence of the gospel, you could say, lies in these genealogical names. And they tend to wear us out when we, if you do a, you know, a daily Bible reading or you do a Bible through the year. I mean, don't you get to the names? And when you get to the list of names, you tend to just kind of read through them quicker. Because it's tougher stuff to get through. I don't know why it is. But if you know if you preach on this stuff or you teach on this stuff or you read on this stuff, it seems a bit drier. But Jesus is the true second Adam, and he's linked with the first. You have the first Adam and the second Adam uh, as heads of the human race. Look at Luke chapter three, verse thirty-eight. I'll show you that Luke three thirty-eight. The last verse, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Well, Adam by creation, but Jesus by eternal generation. Okay, so you've got both. Mankind's redemption, believe it or not, lies upon the genealogies and the accuracy of those genealogies. Because the skeptic and the critic can run genealogical lines and say, well, you see there, Jeconias, and he can't, and well, except we've got a virgin birth, and the Bible shows that. Back in Genesis, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. In Isaiah 64, it says, but now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay and thou art our potter and we are all the work of thy hand. In 1 Corinthians 15, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Albeit, that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural and afterwards, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is of the Lord from heaven. And so we have these two genealogies that we are in. If we've been born again, we have our Adam line, earthy. And then we have our Jesus Christ line, spiritual. And this is why we need to be regenerated, why we need to be born again. Because if we're not regenerated and getting into that genealogic, that generated line of eternal life, then we're just dead in our sins, like we looked at in John chapter 8. We're just dead in our sins, dead in our sins, dead in our sins. Why? 
chakras were in the first atom. And we got to get out of that. And we got to get in Jesus Christ. All right, let's see if we can get back a little on track here on Luke 3. Hit Luke 3. Goes all the way back to Adam, right? Luke chapter 3. But look at verse 31. Luke 3, 31. Which was the son of Malia? Which was the son of Menon? Which was the son of Matatha? Which was the son of Nathan? Which was the son of David? When the genealogy comes to David, what son of David is not mentioned? Solomon. Which son of David is mentioned in this genealogy? Nathan. Nathan. The house of David, both were descendants. Mary, through David's son, Nathan. Joseph, through David's son, Solomon. Mary, Joseph. Nathan, Solomon. Both came from David and both were descendants. Mary was completely separated from the Jeconiah curse because it was David's son, Nathan, and not David's son, Solomon, which runs the same line as Jeconiah, which is so biblically great because we've got a virgin-born Savior, and it fulfills all the biblical requirements for kingship. To further iterate the importance of the virgin birth, well, there were other descendants from that line. There were other descendants from that line, except none of them were born of a virgin. <laughs> except one. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 1, let's go to Luke 1, look at a few things there. Luke chapter number 1. This requirement of divine appoint, appointment is so necessary. Only one received the divine appointment. Of all the members of the house of David, of all those that are in Nathan's line, that requirement of the divine appointment, the virgin-born Savior, only came once. And it came through the angel Gabriel. Look at verse 26. Uh, yeah, there it is. Verse 26. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Here it is, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. We talked about that. And the virgin's name was Mary. Mentioned it twice in one verse, virgin born, virgin Mary. 
Verse 28, and the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast her in her mind what matter of salutation this should be. And the angel that be Gabriel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. That's the divine appointment. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. This came from the angel Gabriel. And just one more time, I just, we can't see it enough here or talk about it enough. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? This world can try to get rid of the virgin birth if they want to, but they're not going to be successful. Because it don't matter what they say, what they think, what they write, what philosophy they come up with. I'm telling you, we have a savior that was virgin born. And without that, Amen. we have nothing. Amen. Amen. Born of a virgin. Totally free from the curse of Jeconiah. And born into a manger. Praise the Lord. King Jesus was of the house of David through Nathan, not through Solomon. The announcement from Gabriel makes it pretty clear who gets the throne. Now, the Jews... Only ran into one since being here, and it actually was a, a phenomenal door knocking experience. And you know how you do, you, you know, you go door knocking or you talk to somebody, and you know how you have something in your head because you've been reading it in the Bible or you've been studying studying something specific, and it's you know it's just real fresh in your head. And then you knock on someone's door, and then. They totally throw you for a curve because you never expected to run into someone that's a Jew in the South. <laughs> and so there it was. And it was a great, great, like 25, 30 minute conversation. Now, they don't believe the New Testament. They just go by the Old Testament. They don't believe Jesus was the Messiah. They believe he was born. But they argue very strongly that Jesus couldn't be the Messiah. Do you know why? Because there's a lot of what we talked about, this Jewish genealogy. It's very important what comes from the father. And it's held very tight to them. And because of that, they really struggle with this idea of a virgin born Messiah. Because Jesus was not a descendant through his father. That's a very, it's a very deep stronghold for them. Because in Jewish genealogy and culture, it's very important that the father carries on that line. And so if you ever get a chance to talk to a Jew, you just have that in the back of your mind and be, be sensitive to that. Because that's one of the standpoints that they come, that they come from. But the scriptures say the Messiah was supposed to be different. In Isaiah, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
you can go to the uh, you can go to Isaiah, uh, many chapters in Isaiah. Quite, quite honestly, you make more more headway than you would by going to John three sixteen. You read of John three sixteen, which I did, <clears throat> and the man, the man said to me, "Can you read that again? I've never heard that." Well, I was standing right there, and one of the other kids. And I said, "Sure." <laughs> They don't read the New Testament. There's no reason in their mind to read it. it may, you think, how can somebody not know John 3.16? Don't you watch football and Tim Tebow and all? <laughs> I mean, how can you not know John 3.16? Well, if you're a Jew, you ain't paying attention to that stuff. You ever buy a car or a truck and then all of a sudden the next day you start seeing all those cars and trucks? What do you think? Just poof, they appeared? No, it's just you're paying attention now to that. They've always been there. You've just not seen it. We need to be sensitive to where people are at. <laughs> the norm was everybody receives their humanity from their mother and their father. The Jews received their identity from their father. But not so with the Messiah because he had no earthly father. And that's the difference. That's the God is so far way, way up here. And we're so far way, way down here. And we can't exhaust the thought. In the book of Matthew, we see the word begat. It just means to procreate. Also means to generate. That word pops up. In the book of Luke, we see the word son. And it is a pretty sad day if someone loses a son. But all must die because that is the consequences of sin in this world. I'm telling you, this world is so full of vanity. To be a movie star, to be a rock star, to be a superstar, to be a sports star. And it doesn't stop. It's just keep adding who's going to be the star. And the bottom line is. Anybody want to tell me who the superstar was back in 1980? Because we don't remember and we don't care. Nobody cares. The champion in 2021 has a few more days to rejoice. Because in 2022, nobody's going to care about you. The world's looking for somebody else to worship. And the point is, it don't matter much after we die. How many accolades we've won, how many awards we've got. Our name might not be in Matthew. Our name might not be in Luke. We don't need it to be. If we're in Jesus Christ, our name is written in the book of life. And that's what matters. Names perish. Uh, look at Luke 3. Look, look at Luke 3. Look at um, a couple of these names here. Look at look at chapter number 36. I know this is I know this is dry stuff, but just look at this. Uh, who wants uh, verse thirty-five? The son uh, in the middle of verse thirty-five, the son of Ragai. What do you know about Ragai? <laughs> Nothing. Look at verse number thirty-six, uh, which was the son of Arphaxad. Do you know anything about that guy? I'm telling you. It's just like, I think we've got one that's familiar. 
Look at Methuselah. About the only thing you know about Methuselah is that, well, it's the oldest, you know, 969 years. What else do you know about Methuselah? Nothing. He's an old man. And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is so much higher than all these names. And the genealogies are important. But if you're like me and you're reading the Bible, not only do you not care about all these names, you don't know much about these people. What are you living your life for? Eternal perspective? Or I want to make a name for myself now. If you want to make a name for yourself, Go ahead, but it's only going to last for a glimpse, and then you're going to be forgotten. I'm telling you, we, we, we have preachers come, we have missionaries come, we have men come up to the pulpit and, and teach the Bible or preach from the Bible or give their testimony. They're up here because they're not trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to magnify the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and we're looking forward to a great 2022 as we magnify his name. Memory of names perish. And you're going to have a miserable life if all you've got is your name down here. You need to have your name written in the book of life. And you need to get into the Lord Jesus Christ. These genealogical tables, that's something to mourn over. Nobody wants to see their son die. Nobody wants to see their daughter die. But our lives are short. And the bottom line is we do become weak and we do die. And when we die, yeah, our family lineage, our family line will live on. But no one person is so important that they're going to make the world go round. I don't want to be doing anything else but preaching God's word. But if I were to die today, somebody else has to preach God's word from this pulpit. Because I don't matter. I just want to be used by God. And I'm not trying to be mean when I say this, but you don't matter. I'm not trying to be mean. God matters. And when you live your life for him, now you're in something that matters because it has eternal perspective. I'm not saying go around and be rude to people and tell, you know, hey, you don't matter. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. In the big scope of things, we're a small glimpse. <laughs> and just like John 8, you can't exhaust the glory of what life is going to be like with the Savior. We all cry and we all mourn when a loved one dies. And if they know the Lord, we're not crying for them. We're crying for us because we miss them. Their name is written in the book of life and they're rejoicing forever with the Lord. And we need to live our life that way. That needs to be the heartbeat from a pulpit. That means that needs to be the heartbeat from the people. We take that pulse out to this world and try to tell them, stop trying to make a name for yourself. <laughs> Let me show you the name that is above every name. And you're either going to bow now or you're going to bow later. You might as well just bow now. 
few more closing thoughts. We'll wrap it up. Everybody comes from their line of what their hobby is, mm -hmm. what they enjoy doing. If you enjoy fighting and combat and martial arts, you know, it's usually guys. You know, you get into following who these great champions are and all that. And uh, you mentioned some of the names. People don't even know who they are. But they die. And they can't beat anybody anymore. And a lot of them die and go to hell because they put all their faith in who they were and they made a name for themselves. I'd mentioned some names, but one, y'all, everybody knows Muhammad Ali, you know where he's at. He didn't trust Jesus Christ, which there's no evidence that he did. He's in hell. And you can say you're the greatest all you want and you can fly like a butterfly, but you're getting stung by fire, my friend. <laughs> and nobody wants that for anybody. But the idea of making a name for yourself, saying you're the greatest, well, you're not the greatest when you've been punch so many times that you're punch drunk and you don't know which day of the week it is. And then when you die without the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not saying I'm the greatest. You've come from a line where you have a hobby or you have something of interest. You know who the greats are. They die without Christ. We don't want that. Our names will perish. We need an eternal purpose. Jesus is king. The son of David. Jesus as a Jew, the son of Abraham. Jesus as a man, the son of Adam. Jesus is God, the son of God. It's all the above. It's just piecing it all together in the Bible that's so big. Jesus, a Jew who kept the law perfectly. That means 100% of the law, 100% of the time, which made him 100% sinless because he's King Jesus. <laughs> when you study the Bible, you can see how these two genealogies make sense. There's no reason at all to doubt God's word. It's completely accurate. It's just taking all these puzzle pieces and fitting them together. And it's better to just rejoice when you discover a nugget of truth. And just praise God that we can trust who he is. Finally, we have uh, out of the seed of the woman came his humanity. Uh, the seed of Abraham had to come from the nation of Israel. The seed of Judah, it had to be the tribe of Judah. The seed of David had to be the family of David. Which one? All. This is how accurate and how specific the Bible is that anytime somebody tries to attack it or criticize it, they're just going to run into another corner of, oh, I don't have an answer for that. It's not which one, it's all of them. I'm telling you, we got a virgin born savior. We don't have to doubt. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.